Welcome to High Heels in Politics with Mary Ann Christie. This is the podcast where current and future leaders discuss the issues facing us in Southwest Ohio and beyond. Here is Mary Ann Christie. High Heels in Politics presentation will focus on the question, do women have a unique set of challenges with financial planning and investments? Do they have less confidence to invest than men do? Women generally live longer, and when husbands predecease them, they often aren't aware of what their husband's financial plans were. Now, does this lead to apprehension when having to make investment decisions, or even are they vulnerable to advisors that live on commissions? High Heels and Politics narrator Marianne Christie will be joined by Pam Gross. Pam has a wide-ranging experience in her financial career and is president and CEO of Management and Accounting Professionals, Inc. Pam and Marianne will talk with well-known financial executive and author Karen Lafferty. Karen's extensive client relationship, especially with women, have been the major purposes of her books. A Woman's Place is in the Market, and her newly published book, The Little Black Dress of Finance. Hi, Marianne. This is Pam Gross. Welcome, everyone. As Marianne said, I am an accountant, and I am the president and founder of Management and Accounting Professionals. We are a Loveland-based accounting firm that focuses pretty much on the entrepreneur. And these days, more and more entrepreneurs are becoming women business owners. So my field is kind of expanding a little bit with dealing with women. I was also a member of the Loveland City Council, and I'm also the CEO of Ion Community. We are the producer of uh, High Heels and Politics. So I want to uh, welcome Karen Laverty. Karen is a financial advisor for many, many years with Fidelity Investments. And I know that Karen has a new book coming out. I think, what is it, August 20th, I believe? August 20th. Yep. And you had a previous book, which was A Woman's Place is in the Market. Karen's entire focus is really on women and getting them financially educated, well, expanding their education in regards to finances, which I find is interesting, Karen, because... Women, if you think about it, and I think you wrote this in your book, is that we are planners. I mean, we plan everything. You know, we plan vacations, we plan our holidays, we plan everything. And yet, for whatever reason, we don't really mind our store when it comes to finances. Absolutely. Well, so, first of all, Marianne and Pam, I thank you so much for having me. I really am excited about this opportunity, not only to talk about my book, but really to help educate women. I find it just like you're saying, I find this incredibly important to help women understand finances. It's one of the most important part of your life is, you know, it's not necessarily to focus on materialism or accumulating money, but unfortunately, people need money (laughs) to live throughout their life, to retire, to send their kids to school and so forth. So you want to be somewhat savvy about it, somewhat educated about it. You know, you want to leave yourself vulnerable. Karen, let me let me start with a with the first question is how did you get interested in the world of finance? Typically this is a field that's dominated by men and it's typically not of great interest to women. So kind of tell us a little bit about how how you got interested and then how do you think your professional experience is different from men's experience 
in the field. Absolutely. So this is going to be incredibly ironic, but I got into this field because I come from a male-dominated family. (laughs) So I am, my mother passed away when I was young, and I'm the only girl. I have three brothers. My dad is from a family of five boys and one girl, very business-oriented, no offense to their gender or anything to that effect, but that's a common uh, conversation, finances and investments. So I happened to be around it all the time. I was always very interested in it. And as a matter of fact, I even, when I was in college, tutored micro and macroeconomics to other students. It's just always very much of an interest to me. The markets, finances. When I first started working for Humana, I actually was a quality management analyst. So I not necessarily investments, but always working with numbers in some regard, <laughs> counting something my entire life. As far as your second question, how was my professional experience different from men? Credibility. I always had to fight for credibility. You know, when you're a woman and you're in a man's world, you know, they tend to just because of your gender immediately kind of diminish, you know, what would she know about this and so forth. And secondly, I'm small in stature. So I'm a small woman. (laughs) You know, so I constantly had to fight for credibility. I constantly had to fight for my voice. But I had to do that even growing up. Once again, with so many men around, and no offense to their gender, I love my family. And I'm not knocking them or anything, but that's traditionally been a man's world. It's their conversation. It's their terminology. It's all about men. That I would find is my biggest, that was my biggest challenge, was to fight for credibility and to have people listen to what I had to say, that they would find value in what I had to say. All of that, very similar to my own professional experience, because as I said, you know, I've been an accountant for over 30 some odd years, and accounting is a very male dominated field. Mm -hmm. And it is interesting that you say that is because I think we as women are not very good as men are in terms of kind of, uh, for lack of a better word, kind of thumping their chest and saying all the great things that they've done and accomplished. Women don't really operate that way. No. And so we, you're right. We have to find our own voice and we have to kind of stand up sometimes and say, hey, wait a minute. I actually do know about this investment or I do know about that tax uh, law or whatever. There is value in what I'm saying. Yes, absolutely. You have to fight for that. And you have to fight for that. So kind of along those same, same lines, you know, women's role in society have changed and now more and more opportunities are available to women. And they're available to women in fields that typically have been male dominated. And you find now more women in those fields. How have the experiences of this new generation of women kind of evolved in the financial sector? Absolutely. Well, I think on, on both sides of the equation, women have, are more empowered today. And more than half of the workforce is women. They're making more money now. So on the other hand, the financial firms are starting to recognize this. They've been a little slow on the uptake with it, (laughs) but they are starting to recognize this. So you will see some financial firms starting to market towards women, which is a great thing. And women need to embrace that. They need to empower themselves, educate themselves. There are so many tools available to them, whether it's online tools or books. I happen to know of a couple, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, there are, uh, there are several different ways where they can get themselves. Once again, you don't need to be a day trader. You don't need to be somebody who is writing a put contract, but you do need to have a general knowledge of investments, the different types of accounts, 
tax consequences to it, what your goals are. You need to empower yourself. You know, women, I would say, are getting better at that. They need to work a little bit, a little bit more on it, but uh, they are gaining yeah. ground. And you're right. I mean, about the empowerment, because it is really about independence. I mean, the whole point of why more and more women have entered the workforce is because we more opportunities for the college education and all of those kind of things that really was centered about around independence. And so I agree with you. Finances is the most independent thing that a woman can, yeah. can do. And it's interesting because in your book, what I loved about your book, there were many things I loved about it because it had a Thank lot you. of really great practical information in it. And so I absolutely encourage everyone, please go out, buy Karen's books, because you're going to learn a lot about the stocks, the bonds. You're also going to learn about why it's important. But what I loved about your your book, too, was about the different phrasing that you did. You're right. I think this is kind of an intimidating subject. And so one of the things you talked about was knowing the types of investments that you should be involved in and knowing the difference between them. And you said it was the difference between lipstick and foundation. And I loved that because (laughs) I thought, you know what? I can relate to that. I'm a girl. Absolutely. (laughs) And I loved how you were able to do that. It's interesting because you also had mentioned that more women are becoming the breadwinners. They really do still, however, rely on men on their finances. And so how do we change that? I mean, how do we get women more comfortable in the financial market? And where do you think is the best place to start? Absolutely. Well, that is, and I thank you so much for your comments about my book. I appreciate that because that was one of the biggest goals I had. You know, when you take a look at the investment world and why it's intimidating, it's intimidating because there's so much jargon in it. There's so much terminology in it. You have this impression of, guys daydreaming all the time and all their gains and what they, you know, it's really not what it is. It is about setting goals in life just the same as everything else. You want to go on a diet? You have a goal. How much weight do you want to lose? By what time frame? How are you going to go about doing it? Your finances are no different than that. What are your buckets of money for? Do you have a rainy day fund? Do you have a, a goal of a moderate amount, you know, a moderate goal, such as I want to save for a new sofa. Maybe I want a new car. Maybe in 10 years, I'd like to buy a different type of house. You know, and then you have your long-term goals with retirement and so forth. It is no different. So what I tried to do in these books was take it down to just a, a common person's level. Take it, and especially with women, I have a shoe fetish. I'm sorry. If you went upstairs in my room right now, you could definitely see. I think most women do. Yeah, I, it's a problem. So I try to use some examples with shoes, makeup, clothing, things that women can relate to, to really put this in perspective and take away some of the intimidation. So they're not afraid of it. So they think it's fun. So they think it's attainable so that they can help educate themselves in an easy, fun way. And that's really what women need to do. Again, I think you did a great job with breaking down kind of the terminology and the jargon into something that was relatable. And you said one of the things that was also mentioned in your book that I loved, which you just kind of mentioned was your quote was not all closets are created equal and right. you don't put your shoes in a food pantry. I don't. And that's, that's exactly true. Although if I and keep buying them, I might have to use the food pantry. <laughs> but your point there was the fact that you have different types of accounts that serve different purposes. And that's why, you know, this is a very fun read in terms of, and like I said, very relatable But it's also very, it has great advice in it because in this, 
we joke about on closets not all being equal, but it was about a very serious subject about, okay, what is the difference between a savings account and a traditional IRA and a 401k? So I loved how you were able to kind of catch someone's attention, make it relatable, and then also really give some great financial advice. And I think that is why women get intimidated is because it's very similar to in my own work sometimes. I noticed that people, we give a clients a profit and a loss statement and a balance sheet. We never ask them if they understand it. We never ask them, you know, how you're supposed to use it. And I think that this, that the financial world is probably very similar in that sense. Oh, you need some stocks and you need some bonds and you need this. And, you know, women are all of a sudden are like, ah, I don't even oh, yeah. need it. Not right. even sure what these are and exactly. what the purpose is. So, yeah, I think what you're doing is absolutely tremendous. You I appreciate have, that. You also have another line in there that I actually think should be used everywhere. It has to do with stocks. And it talks about stocks are like mean girlfriends. <laughs> they are. <laughs> I love that. I thought so that is was... that girlfriend you hang around with and you're not sure why. So can you explain that a little bit more? Because <laughs> yeah. it's a great, great line. Uh, yeah. It, because, uh, you know, everybody, once again, everybody talks about stocks and they want to invest in stocks and they really feel like, you know, this is the way you're going to be making money. But you really need to be careful about stocks. If you are not a person that is researching and very tied into those particular stocks, you should just buy into the index. There's several other investments and things. Stocks, individual stocks can be mean. They are like mean girlfriends. And it's always that girlfriend that you hang around with and she makes nasty comments and, you know, has this little jab at you here and there. And when you go back home and think, why in the world do I hang around with her? Well, stocks are like that. Stocks are incredibly volatile. You'll invest in a stock and they come out with an earnings report two weeks later and it's not as good as you thought it was going to be. And all of a sudden you're in the negative. It's something, it gives you anxiety. It gives you you know, my gosh, why did I do that? I don't know what I'm doing. It makes you doubt yourself as far as what you're doing and so forth. So you have to be a little bit careful with stocks. And there are ways to protect yourself with it. You can do all the research you want, invest in a stock, and it still goes down. So there are ways to protect yourself with market mechanics. And it's something I talk about in my book as well. There are different types of trades that you can put in. If you buy uh, whatever the market is trading at that day, that's a market order. Ways to protect yourself are limit orders, stop loss orders, and so forth. So that uh, if the stock goes down, you have a stop loss order in there. You don't want to lose any more than 20%. You're out of it. If it happens to go up to a particular, you know, a particular percentage increase that you'd like, you can go ahead and get out of it. There are ways to kind of finagle and make yourself protected from that mean girlfriend. So when you were working with clients and you're talking to women, particularly ones maybe who don't know a lot about what is going on, where do you start in putting together an an investment plan? I mean, is the first step a budget first? That's a great question because People think that when you put an investment plan together that you're sitting there, you know, I want you to buy this biotech stock. I want you to buy this financial stock, energy sector stock. And that is not it at all. It goes back to the basics. And I say this in my book. I can't stress it enough. You need to know your time frame for your money and you need to know your numbers. You need to know what is your income? What are your uh, expenses? How much money are you putting away and what are your goals and time frame for that money? Ironically, the very last thing I do when I put together a plan for somebody is pick the investments. Because I mean, for an example, 
Let's say you wanted to buy a car in the next year and you're just stashing away money, stashing away money this entire year to try and accumulate some money so that you can buy a car. I am not putting that in the market. Here's some low volatility, thinly traded biotech stock. Why don't we stick it in that? I would never do that (laughs) because like we said with mean girlfriends, you don't know what she's going to do all year long. So I don't know what's going to happen with that. Time frame matters. Mm -hmm. So if you're saving for the short term, those go in very safe investments. You're going to look at money markets and CDs, short-term bond funds, those types of investments. You have a moderate amount of time for your savings, then great. We're going to look at a moderate amount of risk. You know, we're going to look at value stocks. We're going to look at balance funds. We're going to look at things that have a moderate amount of risk so that you're not, you know, subjected to these massive swings on the stock market. If you have a long time, if you're one of my kids that are in their 30s and you're not using this money for 30 years, you have time to ride the ups and downs of the market. You just keep dollar cost averaging in, you'd be just fine. So when I put together a financial plan, your goals and your time frame, knowing your numbers, that's where you're going to start. It's, a, it's the same with any type of plan you put together. I think you just described listening to your client. Absolutely. Having, really good, having, a, having a good plan is also going to be about listening to what is the needs of, of the client. And I think sometimes that does get lost in the financial, without uh, a in doubt, the financial world. Because sometimes I think people just are like, okay, well, this stock is great and this is this, and but does it really fit with what that particular person needs and wants? Well, the other thing that matters too is your risk tolerance. Yes. You know, I have some people that save for long term, but they are not comfortable, mm-hmm. you know, with taking a lot of risk mm-hmm. and so forth. So even though on a scale of one to 10, I'm probably a 12. I've been around the market my entire life and I have a comfort level with how it works and everything. But by all means, not everyone is like that. And just like you said, listening is huge. You have to listen and know who your clients are. What's their comfort level? One of the other things that is important is I have a niece who's graduated a few years ago from the University of Dayton. So she now has a job, very good job. She called me and she said, uh, she said, Aunt Jeannie, she said, uh, my family calls me Jeannie. Uh, <laughs> she says, I have this thing that they want me to participate in it. It's called a 401k. <laughs> do I, do I want to do that? <laughs> so what would you tell a, a nice young, a, 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 right, yes, a nice young, young woman who yeah. obviously is, um, is not very market savvy, but what kind of advice do you give kind of the younger people? Because it's important for young women to really right now, really start getting involved in this. It is. It's very important. And by all means, if your company offers a 401k, I'm going to tell your niece without a doubt. And the thing that she needs to say, to take a look at and investigate is, does your company offer matching? Matching, what that means is, let's say I put in $1,000 and they're going to put in $300 to match what I put in and so forth. They will put a a certain percentage of what you put in, they will match. Mm -hmm. That is free money to you. If I came up to you and I said, hey, would you like $300? Would you say no to that? (laughs) Who's going to say no to that? Without a doubt, keep in mind, a 401k, that is long-term savings. I would imagine your niece is just getting started. Does she have a sofa? (laughs) Does she have an apartment? 
Does she have basic needs? So she needs to take a look at... She, she needs- too has a uh, shoe fetish. She loves Nord- Nordstrom yeah. shoes. So. I like her already. <laughs> <laughs> what I would say to her is she needs to sit down like anything else, put her goals together. What are her needs? First of all, I would tell anybody out there, what you're going to start out with is a rainy day fund. A rainy day fund is three to six months of essential expenses in cash. People are always like, oh my gosh, well, that's not doing anything. It's not working for me. That is your rainy day fund. That's emergency use. That stays in cash. Leave that in cash. Cash is king if your carburetor goes out in your car, your transmission goes out when, I don't know if she owns a house or not, but let's say your air conditioning goes out in August when it's 110. She needs to have a rainy day fund. Everybody does. And then I would imagine she's got some short to intermediate term savings needs. You know, one day she's going to want to buy a house. One day she's going to want to furnish her house or her, you know, her apartment and upgrade her car and so so forth. So split your savings. Set aside, know your numbers. How much am I able to save? I want to put maybe 10% of my savings in that 401k. I want to put 5% of my savings in my intermediate term savings. I want to put 2 to 3% in my rainy day fund. Those types of things, divide it up to what your needs are. As you get older and life changes for you, then maybe you have education needs. Then maybe your needs change. Maybe you want to save for a second home in Florida. Whatever your needs are, you need to set, you need to take a look at what your goals are. Write down your goals like anything else. Put a time frame to it. A risk tolerance to those. How much risk am I willing to take to get to this goal? Those types of things. You need to start with the basics. She should make sure she has a rainy day fund. Open up a general brokerage account for general savings. And then by all means, invest in that 401k. See if they have matching for some free money. Yes. Well, I will pass on that information as well as passing on your book too. Because like I said, it's full of great information. Thank you. So let me ask you kind of one last question. Because we talked about listening and how important that is that you listen to your client. So what other things or factors should be kind of looked at when you're looking for a financial advisor? So it's not only just about the person, but it's also about fees. Because, you know, every every advising firm has a fee structure. And so what kind of questions should people ask in regards to that so that they're not taken advantage of well? Sure. Now, keep in mind how the financial firms work, because there's a lot of discount brokerages, brokerage firms out there like a Fidelity, like a Charles Schwab and so forth, where you don't you don't pay a fee to go in and talk to someone. You can talk to them. They can help you put together your portfolio and you don't pay a fee. You would only pay a fee at those firms if you had them manage your money. And typically that's with larger accounts. Your niece wouldn't go in with maybe $10,000 and pay a fee for somebody to do that. Now, there will be transaction fees to things. There will be fees like if she buys into a mutual fund and it's an actively managed fund, there's going to be a you know fund manager fee and those types of things. But as far as paying an investment advisor a fee. There's a lot of ways to kind of avoid that or to reduce it. But keep in mind, though, that once you do start to accumulate money and you're busy and you're running a household and you've got your job and you're trying to take care of your kids and everything else, having someone manage a larger account for you, that's not a bad thing. And let's say a typical fee is 1%. All that investment advisor has to do is beat your performance by 1%. 
And if they can't do that, they probably shouldn't be working where they are. (laughs) So the biggest complaint I hear about people is that, oh my gosh, the stock market went down and I still paid a fee. Well, guess what? When the stock market goes down, that's when the vast majority of people make their biggest mistakes. I saw one man that spent his entire life accumulating working hard, building his business. And during the housing bubble, the 2008-9 crash that we had, you couldn't have planned this any worse. He sold out of all of his investments on the absolute lowest day of the market. The very next day, it started to go back up and then it just kept going back up. Had he had someone managing his assets, they wouldn't have done that. They would never have done that. As a matter of fact, I one of the biggest things that I tell people that helps reduce risk and helps you is, is to rebalance. So in other words, and this is something that I did want to touch about. I know you just asked me about financial advisors, but one thing that a financial advisor and somebody managing your money does, they rebalance your accounts all the time. So if you're managing your accounts, that's an essential thing to do. What that means, let's say you have that moderate savings and on a scale of one to 10, Your investment, the risk you're willing to take is a five on a scale of one to 10, meaning that you want half of your assets in the stock market, half of your assets in bonds, uh, CDs, fixed income, very conservative investments. Let's say that stock market grows and it's growing and you're like, yeah, this is great. All of a sudden your account is at a six. You have 60% in the stock market and 40% in your conservative investments and so forth. Skim off that 10%. And put it into the to cash, put it into your more conservative investments. This is a wonderful time to do that right now. Just saying, because the, the market keeps going up and up and up. We've got inflation. We've got some other, we haven't had a correction for a little while. Rebalance your accounts back down to the five. Same thing happens when the stock market drops. Let's say you're at that five. The stock market drops. It's like a shoe sale. Good time to buy your shoes. So buy into the market at that point to get yourself back up to the five. That way you're always at a five. You are always selling at a high point and buying at a low point. Rebalancing your accounts, that's what an investment advisor does. Mm -hmm. If you don't have the time or the inclination to do it, paying a 1% fee for somebody else to do that is certainly valuable. As far as how to pick them, you go interview them just the same as you're a hiring manager for a company. You can ask questions, see what their attitude is towards you. Are they condescending? Do they talk over your head? Do they listen to you? Do they ask you questions? This is an interview like anything else. Karen, thank you very much for taking the time. This has been just a great, you are just full of great information. And folks, if you want to read even more about what Karen is talking about, you want to learn more about your own, how to how to handle your finances, more about the stock market and the financial world in general, please pick up, you know, her book. She now has two of them. Uh, one is A Woman's Place is in the Market, which I know is available. Pretty much you can go on Amazon and you can order that one now. And then her new book, uh, which is going to be out, as we said earlier, on August 20th, is The Little Black Dress of Finance. Just please pick them up, read them. You will learn a lot. There's all kinds of information in there. And I er I encourage every woman out there, take control and maintain our independence. Go girls. Absolutely. (laughs) So thank you very much, Karen. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. 
Well, Karen, uh, this is Mary and Christy. How can people contact you? Great question. And once again, thank you so much for having me today. I, I really enjoyed the conversation. It's wonderful to, to speak to, to both of you. As far as contacting me, I have a financial blog. It's KarenLaverty.com. And it's Karen with a C, C-A-R-E-N, KarenLaverty.com. My email is info at KarenLaverty.com. People can email me. They can visit my blog. They can purchase my book. Uh, my new book comes out August 20th, A Little Black Dress of Finance. It's already available on Amazon, and it will be in major bookstores as well. Do you want to give those contact numbers again? So my uh, financial blog is KarenLaverty.com, and that's C-A-R-E-N-L-A-V like Victor, E-R-T-Y.com. You can even, there's a link to contact me on that blog. But if you'd like to send me an email, that is info at KarenLaverty.com. That's been a great conversation between Karen and Pam. And let's just, Karen, give us a little information about you and your family, because you're both very active in the community. As far as my husband and I, both of us retired about eight or nine years ago, and we have been active in the community ever since. I sit on the board of uh, Hamilton County Great Parks. We're in a number. I'm on a, a women's steering committee. I'm the president of my HOA, play on two tennis teams. I captain one of them in several other clubs. My husband and I find it incredibly important to give back. We've been blessed in our careers, so uh, we spend our retirement years doing a lot of community service. And as a matter of fact, my husband right now is running for Sycamore Schools School Board, Sycamore Community School Board. And you have so children? We do have children. We have two kids. Our daughter lives in New York. Both of them are married. She lives in New York. Uh, she has an awesome job. She is an account executive for a textile company. It's an old Italian textile company called Scalamadre. And she works with architects and designers. She plans all their fabrics, their wall coverings, their furnishings, and she did at a commercial level. So she does a wonderful job. Married to her husband Tom, who was an Army Ranger, and they, you know, they did a great job living in New York. I'd like her to live here instead, but that's fine. Okay. Our son Joseph lives here. He's a data analyst. Uh, he's worked in the financial data analyst area for ever since he graduated from college. Right now, he's in a business that recruits data scientists and data analysts. Hmm. So he's also married. They live here in Kenwood. So we get to see them a lot more often, and that's awesome. Well, as Karen has pointed out, no one cares about your financial future as much as you. Therefore, you have to make it a top priority. So pick up a copy of Karen's newly published book, The Little Black Dress for Finance, to begin to empower you in your financial planning. And thank you, our producer, Ryan Cooley. High Heels and Politics with Marianne Christie is produced and engineered by Ion Community. Music by Sharad Sato. Subscribe and listen wherever you find your podcasts.